you know, you can make the laws and you can make the rules, but we'll still do whatever we want. <laughs> I am not going to lie. I kind of love it. Hello and welcome to Emerald Roots, official podcast of the Irish Family History Centre and the place to find great chats on all things Irish, family and history. I'm Caitlin Bain and this podcast is for anyone who's ever wondered, my Irish? What does Guinness really taste like? Who's your one? Hi there, welcome to Emerald Roots. Let's kick things off properly with a huge welcome to anyone who's listening. We're very excited to be doing this and we hope that you enjoy. Today we'll be exploring Irish surnames, the who's, the when's and the how's. But before this, as it is our first ever episode, we thought it would be useful to go a little deeper into who we are and what this podcast is all about. I'm Caitlin Bain. And I am joined by my co-creators for this podcast, Fiona Mahoney and Katie Beeland. Say hi, guys. Hello. So we all work for the Irish Family History Centre. Now, the Irish Family History Centre is based in Dublin, and we have a lot of really interesting stories come from the centre. And we thought, you know what? This could be a podcast. (laughs) And so basically we made one. Fiona Mahoney is head of centre at the IFHC, and uh, has been with the brand since... 2016. Got I to think about that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell us a bit about the centre? So the centre opened in 2016 in May. So we're just coming up to our seventh anniversary. My God. Uh, the 7th of May 2016. Good uh, We opened uh, in partnership with Epic, the Irish Emigration Museum, uh, who we work hand in glove with. And Great museum, by the way. A fantastic museum. Yeah. Um, anyone who is coming to Dublin, it should be your first protocol. It'll For give sure. you a good understanding of Irish history and mm. culture mm. and uh, give you a good good grounding. And of course, we then can tell you all about your specific family and mm-hmm. their history, which is what we do. So we have welcomed people from all over the world which makes it so fascinating because every story is different and every family you look into has a different story and it'll be personal to to them and that's one of the things I love about genealogy is you never know what you're going to find Mm -hmm. like Forrest Gump (laughs) and the box chocolates and it is so fascinating and such a, a rabbit hole and the joy that we get out of helping people find those roots and uh, the emotion that can be involved in in that so it is uh, yeah it's 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 a wonderful place to be yeah i've definitely been there a few times where there's been tears and laughter and oh we have boxes of tissues at the ready yeah (laughs) yeah but as as somebody said it this is the only job in the world where your aim is to get people to cry We're not doing our job if you don't leave in an absolute heap of emotion. <laughs> We're also joined by the person who makes us all cry, Kaylee Beelan. <laughs> in a good way, I hope. In the best way. <laughs> Kaylee is our research manager and also expert genealogist at the centre. Uh, how long have you been with us now, Kaylee? 
Uh, just about a year at this point. I started in the company just as an expert genealogist in the centre. So I was in with Fiona and the teary face-to-face consultations that we do. So <laughs> we get people to come in and um, they either book in advance or they, they come in off the street and they sit down with myself or Declan or Mora or other genealogists and we do a consultation with them and we go through their family history. We kind of teach them a little bit how to research themselves or we, you know, do a bit of it for them. And yeah, it's such a rewarding job because, I mean, you see the people who come in, they say, oh, I don't know too much about my history and they leave and they're in tears and they're off to Galway or Clare or wherever. So that was amazing. And then uh, a couple of months in, I took over as the research manager as well. So that's the other side of it. If people contact us and they're looking for a little bit more of an in-depth project. So, you know, my ancestor came over to the States or wherever during the famine and that's all we know. Can you help me out? I say, absolutely. (laughs) because we will always help anybody who comes to us and then yeah and then I I get to set them up with one of our lovely researchers and we get to work on the project and then they find out all about their Irish family history. Basically what we've decided to do is like you can probably gather from um, the intros of the two ladies in front of me here we have so many stories that we get at the center day to day we have so much experience working with people who are just starting out in their family research who are not sure if they have irish roots who are more interested in understanding where their ancestors come from so a bit more about ireland so we we were getting a lot of the same questions a mm-hmm. lot of the time at the center and we decided that we would create something that could go out to anyone who had these kind of questions or just general interest and basically we're just going to talk about all things Irish and family history Mm -hmm. so you know we'll do different topics on the famine of course Mm -hmm. uh, as expected but we'll also look at modern Ireland we'll be talking about projects that we've worked on you know experiences we have of doing the actual research and we're going to bring in as many Different guests and people who are of interest and have interesting stories Mm. um, as well. 100%. Yeah, Yeah. so just people who are interested in Ireland, in Irish culture, in Irish heritage and in their Irish family history research. Okay, let's get stuck into things now. Mm -hmm. Did you know that Irish surnames are some of the oldest in the world? Well, Caitlin... I knew that. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, good. That would be, it'd be terrible if I didn't know that. But yeah, it's such a fascinating fact. We're very, very lucky. Yeah, so little interesting facts like my surname is Amahani. So I think most people know what a different Irish surnames, but if your surname is Mac, that means son of. Mm-hmm. Whereas Amahani, I'm the grandson of mm. Mahan. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so they are interesting and they have meanings. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Even if you're a Kelly or a Murphy. Yeah, which many of us are. <laughs> or a burn. Or a burn. Yeah. I have burns. Oh. I have many, many burns. Yeah, any burns from Wicklow? Uh, Wexford. Well, I mean, one oh, of You're just going down. Too. Somebody escaped down, did they? Yeah. <laughs> they, they ran over the mountain. Got away. Yeah. Fell, fell in love and ran away. <laughs> they found a farm. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Well, I mean... I'm very jealous of you because my surname is basically a made-up surname. It's Beelan, which is not Whelan or Feelan or any other name that sounds... Oh, it's not Beeling either. Did, was it basically your ancestor was Whelan and then they had oh, a cold one day Caitlin. when the census guys came <laughs> and you went from Whelan to Beelan? You know what? 
that is something that I am going to have to uh, do what I always advise people to do and get my own father to take a Y DNA test so I can try and figure this out because it is truly a mystery. We popped up on a farm in County Wicklow in the 1700s. We were probably there way before that. Popped up on a farm, stayed on the farm, still there now. Couple of us went around the world and that's it. If you meet a Beelan, if anyone listening to this podcast ever meets a Beelan, that's my cousin. So... <laughs> <laughs> to some varying degree. Oh, to a, I'd say within three degrees. It's a it's a very small family. So, or, or any if there's Beelins, any if there's any Beelins out there listening please. and are coming to Ireland, get in touch yeah. and Kaylee will organise the family party for you. You will. You're more than welcome to the family farm if you're a Beelin and you you reach out. You'll get the red carpet rolled all the way down the hill into Dublin. Do you accept name variants? No. No, so no, B-E-A-L-I-N. sorry. B-E-A-L-I-N or nothing else. And okay. that's it. Until I do the Y-DNA, find out that I'm a feeling or a wheeling. And then, <laughs> and then everybody's allowed. Everybody's invited. Well, my surname is not Irish. Mm-hmm. Shock. Um, <laughs> it's Bane. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Scottish. My mum is Irish. Mm-hmm. My dad is Scottish. And for anyone out there who is trying to decipher what accent I have... <laughs> I, I did grow up in Ireland, but I moved around a lot. I spent some time in Australia. I was living in London for a fair while. Um, so I just have a bit of a mess of an accent, but that's the most Irish thing about me, I think. Mm-hmm. I am a diaspora within a person. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of Australian, a little bit of Scottish, a little bit of English, a little bit of Irish, yeah. you know, around you the world. Much. I've got a brother in Canada. Like, we're, we're hitting all the marks here. <laughs> all the marks. <laughs> So my mum is Irish. Her name is O'Callaghan, but she's not a Cork O'Callaghan. Oh. Um, she is a Meath Callaghan, and mm. they were known as the Fighting Callaghans. Oh. Mm. Yeah. So Explains a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no stereotype there, so. Um, exactly, yeah. exactly. So I don't know too much about my own. I need to find out. Apparently, we can trace it back to the Norman invasion on one line. Mm-hmm. And then my dad's side, like I said, is Scottish. We're the Mackay clan. So I know I'm white mm-hmm. Um But we we also have Irish, Northern Irish um, ancestors in that Scottish line. So yeah. I am hybrid Celt. Yes, that makes sense. I mean, Northern Ireland and Scotland are so close. When you look at them on a map, you can you can see how easy it would have been for those two communities to mix together. Exactly. So. Oh yeah, there's only 13 kilometres. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Across the sea. So sure, my dad even lived, um, so he was born in Glasgow, Greenock in Glasgow, and then they moved when he was a year old, they moved to Northern Ireland for a little bit. So yeah, yeah there was definitely connections between Northern Ireland and Scotland. Yeah. Oh, for thousands of years. Yeah. yeah. Um, you have an ancient tribe called the Dalrida, and they went across... Mm. that 13 kilometers of water so mm-hmm. it goes back thousands of years yeah. mm-hmm. if you actually look at the dna results of um a lot of people from northern ireland like myself my grandmother has a lot of family history in northern ireland and there's a huge chunk of her dna that is quote unquote scottish and it's you know they've been on in ireland for hundreds of years but because there was so much mixing with scotland her dna is the same as a lot of people who live in Scotland. So she is basically Scottish, even though they were here on this island. So it is, it's amazing, the connections between here and there, and still today, you know? I suppose that's the thing that you kind of forget now, is that um, for a long, long time, Ireland being part of the United Kingdom, mm. there was no border. There was, no, there was definitely no Northern Ireland until yeah. the 20th century. There was also a lot of, especially in places like Ireland and Scotland, a lot yeah. of landless labourers. Yeah. They, it was seasonal work. They would go where they were yes. needed 
to make money. You know, so far as I was looking at somebody's um, family history the other day and we were tracing their family in, I think it was Donegal, it was Donegal, uh, through the records from, I think maybe the 1830s all the way up until the 1890s. And there was a big chunk in the middle where we couldn't find them. I mean, we're like, this is just bizarre. They've just disappeared. And of course, we don't have our census records for that period. Mm. So, you know, we can't see where the children are being born if we can't find the birth records. And then I said, you know what, let me just check Scotland. And the family were in Scotland. They moved over for, I think, 10 or 20 years, had a couple, of, had a bunch of kids, then came back when the kids were grown up. And it was just purely because the dad was a landless labourer and there was obviously more work going in Scotland. So they just hopped on a boat, across they went. And then when that work dried out and he was probably going to retire, they came home. Mm. I'm joined now by Bridget McCohen. She's the editor of Irish Lives Remembered, which is our official magazine for the Irish Family History Centre. And one of the things I'm really looking forward to within the podcast is learning about all the different places that the Irish have been able to go and and influence and help, I suppose. Uh, Yeah, I mean, we have traced the Irish in playing pivotal roles in the history of every continent of the world. I'm currently tracing them to the Caribbean, the South Seas and Antarctica. Uh, because I've already done Latin America, Africa, Asia, Australia, (laughs) all of these other corners of the globe. And of course, we know what a huge impact the Irish had on the history of America and Canada as well. Mm. So, yeah, it's kind of those big spots. um, And then everywhere else. Everywhere else. We're literally everywhere. (laughs) Absolutely. We pop up all over the globe. We're like whack-a-mole. Hello and welcome to Diamonds of the Diaspora. Our spotlight on Ireland's exotic global descendants. I'm Bridget McCone, editor of Irish Lives Remembered, the official online magazine of the Irish Family History Centre at Epic Museum. Today, our first featured diamond, Rodolfo Walsh, father of Argentinian investigative journalism. Part 1. The Roots of Rodolfo. The surname Walsh from the same route as Welsh, was given to Norman soldiers who came to Ireland from Britain after the 12th century Anglo-Norman invasion of Ireland, and to their descendants. Walsh is now the fourth most common surname in Ireland, centred in counties Mayo and Kerry. In the mid-19th century, Edward Walsh Evers and Mary Kelly Cormac were married, both born in the same year of 1832. By 1852, the young couple had their first child, and by 1854, they were already registering the birth of a daughter, Elena Walsh-Kelly, in Quilmes, Buenos Aires province, Argentina. Of course, 1845 to 1852 were the years of the Great Irish Potato Famine when hundreds of thousands were forced to emigrate from their devastated homeland. Though most emigrated to Britain, the USA or Canada, some preferred Catholic Argentina, despite the language barrier of Spanish. As homesteaders and pioneers, they settled the Pampas. Mary Kelly Cormac's birthplace is given as Ballymore, Ireland. Although there is a Ballymore in County Roscommon, as well as in Westmeath, most 19th century emigration to Argentina came from Westmeath and the Midlands. (laughs) 
This couple, probably from Westmeath, Edward Walsh Evers and Mary Kelly Cormack, were to become the great-grandparents of the legendary Rodolfo Walsh. And we will speak more about his life next time. Yeah, right. O'Mahony is quite specific. There are some places elsewhere, but it is <clears throat> very much, certainly going back to ancient times, it's back into uh, Cork and County Cork. Um, and we were part of a group, a kingship group called the Ogonot, who would have ruled from Cashel for part of the time. But then surname O'Mahony comes from Mahan, who was a king and married Brian Brew, the famous king who defeated the Vikings at the Battle of Clontarf. He, Mahan... He was a real guy, by the way. Yes. Was a real guy. Yep. yep. A lot Absolutely. of our kings, people can be unsure whether they're real or mythical. Yeah. 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 So you're talking the um, 10th century going into the 11th century when this starts. And he marries Brian Brew's daughter, Sive. And then you have, so I'm O'Mahony, so that's grandson of, so that's where that surname started with this grandson of Mahan who married Brian Brew's daughter. And they ruled parts of Cork and they have um, a, there are three castles called Three Castle Head down out in West Cork. And it is a pretty beautiful remote spot. You have to hike out to it. But there is actually in good Irish style, there, of course, there is a ghost Oh, and there course. is a white lady. Best part of and, castles. Yeah, I should have worn white today. Actually, to scare scare you guys. <laughs> but apparently, when you are out, it's the the three castles are around a lake, and if you see the white lady, when you're out hiking or out at the lake, it means you're going to die within twenty four hours. Oh. We love a good story like that, don't we? I Between know. the banshee, yeah. And, so was yeah. she a banshee or was she a ghost? She was no, because she didn't make any noise, so she wasn't a banshee. And the Amahanis actually don't have a banshee. We're not one of the surnames. In pe- case people don't know, only certain surnames have banshees, mm-hmm. and we don't have a banshee. We just have our white lady. Mm-hmm. I had a friend who actually heard a banshee. Oh, really? Yeah, when we were kids. Uh, well, <laughs> kids is probably a stretch. We were like fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> She came into school one day and she was like, lads. Um, lads is just a term, by yes. the way. I You'll went to all girls You'll school, hear so I'm not being, you know. It's a nice gender neutral term. Yeah, it was a room full of girls. We were at Catholic all girls school. She went, lads, I heard a banshee last night. No. And we were Did like, okay, her? well, we need clarification here. <laughs> you know, we need the time. We need the context. We, we need, need the, the local newspaper to we... see the obituaries quickly. It's show and tell time. Yeah, yeah, literally. I was like, what are your sources? Come on, bring it. And yeah. so through a process of elimination, we realized it was either a fox or a goat that she had heard. Mm-hmm. Actually, um, that is foxes. You know that sound that foxes, the mating? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, they're terrifying. It is the most scariest sound oh, you've yeah. ever heard in yeah. your life. For anyone so, who doesn't live uh, in an area with foxes, if you hear a scream in the night... It's a fox. It's a fox. Or... Uh, it's, a, it's a male... <laughs> the male fox. I don't, I don't know yeah. which fox it is. It's, it's a mating call. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the terrifying. most unattractive mating call you've ever heard in your life. Yeah, I was <laughs> once camping with my cousins and... Um, <laughs> One of them. Now we're in we're in the back garden. You know, it, it wasn't anything crazy. And then this fox starts like going off on the other side of the wall next to us, and my cousin loses her mind. Like mm-hmm. she absolutely is terrified. And I and we're just like, it's a fox. It's a fox. It's all right. 
Yeah, she actually ended up going into the house and locking the door, locking all of us outside, (laughs) sleeping on the couch because she was she was not having it. But yeah, anyway, sorry, you don't have a banshee. No, Amahani doesn't have a banshee. We just have our white lady. Mm. uh, Uh, Scary enough by herself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, There's a fair few of them though, isn't there? Like there's a there's a red lady, there's a white Mm -hmm. lady. There's Mm -hmm. probably a lady in black. Yeah, Mm. yeah. Lady in red, Christabel. We I'm like not quite ladies. sure that's, yeah, I'm not quite sure that's the, the uh, uh, ghost doll, though maybe. We like our <laughs> colourful ladies in Ireland. Yes. <laughs> we do, we do. Well, we have a history of strong women. We True. do. Absolutely. We, we absolutely recently have a history. Just celebrated mm. one of the first national holidays for St. Bridget. Yes. This year. Um, and that was on the 1st of February. Yes. 2nd of February. Well, we had the bank holiday on the 6th, but her yeah. St. Bridget's Day is the 1st. Yeah, so yeah. we now officially have a national bank holiday for a powerful woman in Ireland. So, yeah, Woo-hoo. Patrick wasn't enough. We had to get Bridget in. <laughs> um, so, but there is actually a huge, like, intertwining of myth and history in mm-hmm. Ireland. And, and that's what's so interesting and sometimes confusing about Irish family history is, like, there's a lot of scope i suppose for some pretty wild and wacky stories yeah. you know there yeah um, for sure. i want a castle i, I want mean, a- i want my grandmother was a mcginnis and she always said that she had french blood mm-hmm. my dad always thought it was a flight of fancy i did the family research and discovered that my great great grandmother was maria lemaistre and so hence we have the French but now I am still searching for that vineyard mm-hmm. I'm determined I'm going to find it <laughs> you need to start your own Fiona That's- oh no I'd rather inherit one <laughs> much easier yeah. so welcome back from the break I hope you enjoyed your cup of something warm yes I had a lovely cup of tea and a big coffee <laughs> <laughs> okay okay Onto something a bit more serious. Yes, yes. I managed to sit down with Fiona Fitzsimons and Helen Moss. Mm. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Fiona Fitzsimons is the director of research for the Irish Family History Centre, and Helen Moss is an expert genealogist with the centre as well. Mm-hmm. They've both been working here much longer than I have, so <laughs> they are in the know. Um, mm-hmm. That's my go-to phrase. I think in the know. Um, yeah. They're experts. They're complete experts um, in their fields. And, you know, it's such a joy to sit down and talk to them. I'm, I'm only mildly jealous that you got to interview them. But sure, I guess we're all going to hear it now. Well, I bribed them with biscuits. <laughs> a good bribe. A good bribe. Yes, yes. Thanks so much for sitting down with me today. I really appreciate your time. And I was just hoping, basically, the first episode, we're going to be looking at Irish surnames. And I was wondering what you could tell us about them. That's an interesting one, the origin of Irish surnames. Irish society would always have been very clan-based. So before there are Irish surnames, you have clans. And within these clans, you have to be within... You have to be part of the royal family within four generations of an Irish chieftain if you're going to succeed as the head of that clan. And so Irish families, Irish clans, always kept very close tabs on the genealogies. So even before we have Irish surnames, we still have about five or six hundred years of documented Irish genealogies. The earliest Irish surnames are laid down between the 10th and the 12th centuries. And originally, 
they describe themselves as either O or Mac. O are the descendants of, Mac are the son of. And they usually then would name a particularly prominent leader, a prominent local king. So you have the O'Brien, the descendants of Brian Baru, or the O'Neill, the descendants of Neil Glundov, who dies in 918, who is the progenitor of the, of the O'Neill name. Okay. So everyone then, they are the O'Neill, the descendants of O'Neill. And you have to be, be able to prove it. Many of the people who were clan members would have adopted the name of O'Neill as well. But this is the difference between somebody who is, say, a general part of a clan and somebody who's in the direct royal line. Okay. There's always a distinction between those two. Didn't they do the O'Donnell? Was it the O'Donnell? Mm-hmm. Professor Dan Bradley has validated. He looked at the O'Donnell name and he saw that using DNA, they can actually say with certainty there's a common ancestor. And they refer to it as the um, Genghis Dan effect. <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to Genghis Khan. Genghis Dan, Daniel okay. O'Donnell. But um, <laughs> that the greater number of O'Donnells are descended from... If you look at their Y chromosome, they're descended from a single ancestor going back generations and generations. In fact, going back probably to about the 5th century AD. And in a sense, what they're saying is that a successful man, a king or a warlord, is more likely to have many children. And those children are more likely to survive and to have many children. And in that way, you kind of funnel over time. And so the greater number of O'Donnells are in fact descended from a common ancestor. Probably the original um, O'Donnell. Um, Genghis Khan's DNA is present in about 16 million men alive today. Yeah. Kings and warlords. Yeah. And Edward, Edward III. III. <laughs> Edward III had more than 220 acknowledged natural children born outside of marriage. It's good to be king. Bluminell. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that knowing the history of surnames helps you with your family tree? Yeah, not only surnames, but Christian names, sort of, if you get Jeremiah's, you're looking around Cork area, you get David, sort of Wexford, Waterford. I think what anybody has to bear in mind when they're doing research on their surname is to think how many ways can this be spelled? Because unless it's, even Ryan can be spelled differently, you know, unless mm. it's got no other way of being spelt it will be spelt in yeah. as many ways and never to kind of get get fixed on the idea oh just because my name is spelt I'm just trying to think of an example but my name is spelt uh, brown you know don't think that just because there's an e on on somebody that you find that it's not your you know mm. don't get too hung up on surnames. Okay, so that's a name variance. You always have to think of name variance. Yeah. Could we maybe talk a little bit about what surnames can tell us about society? I think what Irish surnames tell us is the wave of settlement coming in. So you have the traditional Irish names. You've got your O'Neills, your O'Briens, your McCarthys. You then have Anglo-Norman. Before the Anglo-Normans, you have the Vikings coming in. Oh, yeah. Names like Doyle. You can't get more Irish than Doyle. <laughs> and yet that comes from Dúvgal. That comes from the dark foreigners. 
as opposed to the Fingal, who are the light foreigners from Finland. So even with the surname, you can actually tell whether or not they're from um, Norway and Finland or Denmark. Wow. We have other names coming in there. We've got the Norse names like Burke. You know, I mean, how Irish is Burke? That's a Norman name. We have the cruises that we mentioned. Mm-hmm. We Power. have the Powers. Um, we have the Barretts. Rabbit. Rabbit? I think Rabbit is a Norman name. There you go. But also I think there's an, Ar- an Irish... Uh, you learn something new every day. Yeah, well, but those are names which are about as Irish as they come, and yet they're names which come originally from Norse families. Barry, um, originally from Barry in Wales. No way! So yeah. Barry's tea is Welsh. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> oh no, Barry's tea is definitely Cork. <laughs> um, in Ireland, we don't have the same number of names which come from occupations or place names as no. they do in England. No, no Webster. Well, we, I mean, we do, but they're not. The Websters and the Carpenters mm. and the Smiths tend to be people um, of English heritage who settled here. Or we think, if we can trace them, it depends, you have to trace back each family individually. Taggart. Taggart is a real Scots name. Oh, is it? But then there's always interaction, there's always back and forwards between the north coast of Ireland and Scotland See, because yeah. I think it's the closest point they're only about 13 miles apart that's quite interesting and then would there have been a lot of um, aside from occupying forces like Vikings Normans English would there have been other people coming into Ireland you know kind of religious refugees and the like well mm. even before then we have settlers we have Flemings Welches. from Belgium mm. we have Welshes and Walshes from Wales we have Scots from Scotland, obviously enough. So we have people who are settling, they're settling communities and they bring their names with them. We also had a lot of medieval trade routes, didn't we? Yes, there was a few. lot of medieval trade Yaw. routes between, in fact, the entire West Coast. Mm. Limerick was the deep water port along the West Coast before Cork was actually developed in the 18th century. An awful lot of the Bristol merchants who are directly involved in opening up the Americas, they actually settle in the port of Limerick and all the way along the coast there because it is putting them closer to America. They're setting up merchant houses. They want to trade in tobacco and sugar. The resources that you're farming in the Americas and bringing back here to sell for a much higher price. And for them, they want a deep water port and Limerick is it. But they also have small outposts in Tralee, Cork and Yall. I suppose being an island really makes us accessible um, for a lot of other countries over the centuries, really. Yeah. This is one of the things of the penal laws. The penal laws, there were restrictions against Irish trade. And that was done to try and big up English trade. Mm. But as a consequence, it actually um, undercuts the development of marine transport it also makes sure that an awful lot of Irish merchants basically decide well affect that for a game of darts and they families like the Fagans or like the Meads merchants of Limerick the Fagans formerly of Dublin but now of Cork and Kerry um, Montgomery's yeah all these big merchant families mm. the Fitzsimons my own family they begin to set up out offices in places like Philadelphia yeah 
that's that's fascinating so um really the sense i'm getting is there's really kind of no one way of being irish that we, we've we're a country that have had people coming and going uh, for as long as we've really been in existence and and it's a real kind of melting pot this kind of movement of people yeah and if you come into the family history center we've actually got a permanent a digital exhibition there where we look at these waves of settlement coming in and we look even at a later time looking at the religious refugees huguenots the Latouches and the Digbys, who found the Bank of Ireland, about as Irish as you can possibly get. Look at the Palatines yes. that come in from Switzer. Rhineland, Germany. Yeah. Switzer's, the big department store that was in the centre of Dublin for so long. Teske, one of our famous contemporary artists. Donald Teske, yeah. Um, if you look at Sayers, the Sayers family were German Palatines. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to add on surnames? Yeah, I'd like to add something about anglicisation, and that is that oh, yeah, yeah. anglicisation can really muddy the waters. And it muddies the waters because at the time of the Tudor conquest, the Irish are encouraged to drop their O's and their Macs. It's never made illegal. But it gained currency that a law had been passed, so much so that in 1896, the Parliament sent a researcher into the bowels of the Westminster Archive to try and find the particular law. They wanted to take it out and rescind it. Six months later, the poor parliamentary researcher said, it's definitely not there. <laughs> and they finally realised that this urban myth had grown such legs that they had genuinely believed that it was a law. But it was never enshrined in law. No way, that's, that's really cool. But uh Irish families are encouraged to drop... The O's and the Max, they're encouraged to anglicise their names. So you get anglicisations like Mulderig, hmm, a name red. we looked at. Yeah, Reddington. Yeah, taking the word Darig, red, and they change their name to Reddington. Mm -hmm. There's many other examples of mm. that, if we just think about them. Look at the McMurrah Kavanagh. They drop the Mac, they become Murrah, they become Kavanagh. One branch of them becomes Redmond, another branch becomes Hendrick. It sounds uh, positively Flem Fleming or Dutch, <laughs> but they're originally McMurrah Kavanaghs. Wow. Would people have done it as much to get ahead? Like Irish people made that decision themselves to get ahead um, because of these restrictions around penal laws and the like, or do you think it was more of an English imposed thing? That's a difficult one to say. Yeah, I don't know. I think that the Irish wanted to assimilate into the English culture because it was obvious that Ireland had been definitively conquered. The land was um, confiscated, it was given out, a new ruling class come in. That happens three times in 150 years, three conquests. There were five generations, taking 30 years as a generation. There's five generations of Irish people who literally have war visited upon them in their own homes. That's five generations of war and conflict. You have to remember that the 18th century is, for the first time, peace, until the outbreak of the 1798 rebellion. Yeah. But that's another story. <laughs> they nearly made it, <laughs> two years out. <laughs> oh, okay. So do you guys feel like you've learned anything? Um, about Irish surnames always yeah. always you always learn something when you get to mm. chat 
I certainly have. You know, (laughs) you guys are a bit more in the know than I am. So, yeah. But I mean, then Fiona just has such a wealth of information. You know, it's fascinating. Some of the facts that she she brought up today about Irish surnames, they're new to me. You know, there's there's uh, you learn new facts all the time when you're doing Irish research, and to have somebody who has such a broad and you know deep knowledge of medieval Ireland for example like Fiona to hear her talk about things that are just second nature to her she knows all these facts about Irish history it's just enlightening you know and it changes the way you think about your own research day to day so yeah we're always always learning new things yeah I, it's, I suppose it's like that quote, um, the only thing I truly know is I know nothing. Yeah. 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 There's always something to learn. Always I mean, obviously something. you guys do know things. <laughs> but, there, but you're absolutely right. There is always, always something to learn. Yeah. Mm. You know, there's always a place to look. Mm. There's always more information you can find. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And also, as well, I think it was fascinating to hear more about the sources of Irish surnames yeah. because... I know we touched on this before, but truly it just shows there is no one way to be Irish, quote unquote, you yeah. know? And if, if we have all of these influences going back hundreds and even thousands of years on our surnames, it just goes to show that you can't be too rigid with your thinking when you get mm-hmm. into Irish research. You have to be open-minded because really being Irish means so many different things. Yeah, absolutely. The thing that I loved about it was um, there was just like a... There was a story behind every name, yeah. you know, and it may not be the story you're expecting, yeah. but there's a story, mm-hmm. you know, and, and yeah, just that movement of people just really, it really brings it home mm-hmm. that this may be a small island, but Ireland is big, yes. you know, yes. we are yeah. a big country, we're a big people, mm-hmm. we're a huge diaspora. With an outward um, looking absolutely we come and we go yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah kind of and people have been coming into this uh island and and adding to what it is to be irish for like you said centuries Thousands. if not millennia yeah yeah um and it it makes you proud yeah doesn't it like yeah. you know even more so you know you, you're not just this one little thing this one little speck on the edge of the world as they used to say you're you're part of something bigger and and constantly evolving and this melting pot of um of Irishness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we are the pot at the end of the rainbow, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well So on that cliche. <laughs> yes, I know. I love I love a good cliche and I love a good pun. Okay. I'm just putting that out there. Um but yes, on that note, thank you everyone who's been listening, um, for listening to us. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it and we hope you learned something. And even if that one thing is there is no one way to be Irish, uh I think that's the best thing you could take away from this yeah thanks guys for sitting down with me and and thanks uh, everyone for listening and and hopefully we'll see you at the next episode see you then bye bye All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. We really enjoyed doing this and we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. So please do hit us up on our socials. We're at Irish Family History Centre, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the usuals. Uh, Make sure to use the hashtag Emerald Roots Podcast so that we don't miss uh, your thoughts or your opinions. Share your stories. Let us know what you're up to. And yeah, we'll talk to you at the next episode.